Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Right, am I live now? Oh, God. Oh, God. What a muppet. Anyway, um, hello, Facebook. Sorry, I, I hope the audio is working. Blimey, all right. It's just as well I'm doing it. If, if I wasn't doing Instagram, I would have been talking for God knows how long to myself. Dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm sure I pressed the button. Anyway, do what the pros do, gloss over it, pretend it never happened, okay? I can do this. Augusta, call us, um, 0121-454-3680. Give us a call, drop me an email, or I tell you what, um, or, or message me on Instagram if, if Instagram's your thing, and I'll be very happy to see you. In fact, Augusta, I'll tell you what you can do. You can get on the website, go to this contact page on the website, and you can book a free call. Just book a call if you want. We can have a call. And then um, if you, you know, if obviously if you want to see me, I will see you because we are seeing people at the clinic. And it, I do like seeing patients, uh, you know, old patients, particularly if you've got an issue. But even if you haven't got an issue, if you just want to check up, let me know. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, Olivia. Thanks for letting me know that I wasn't on Facebook. Is the is your audio working on Facebook? Oh dear, I don't know why I do. You could. It's questionable whether doing this stuff is a good thing or not, because I mean I don't know if Joe Public thinks if the guy can't press the the go live button, what hope have we got when he's in charge of sharp instruments and you know operating tools? But anyway, that's for you to judge. Okay, you can be the judge of that. I'm doing my best here. I'm doing both Instagram and Facebooks. I forgot to press the live button on Facebook, but you know, dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, dear, oh dear, I need to lie down. So Augusta, it'd be lovely to see you is the bottom line. Please come and see me. Have I missed some comments? Um, I think, uh, did you know you haven't got a, that's brilliant. Thank you, JJ. My procedure's on the 7th, and I'm back to university on the 18th, so I didn't want to be going back with a notable ball patch. You won't, Mia, because you've got long hair. So you'll you'll have a scar on your hair, but you won't have a noticeable ball patch at all. You've got long hair. You'll you'll cover it up, and as I say, I won't I won't shave it. So yes, Augusta, please do call. Um, the other thing is, how long are the stitches likely to stay in on the scalp and back? I was told they could come out after a week, but if if it's longer than that, I can always travel back up from uni. Okay, Mia, what I try and do, um, and, and what I can do in those areas is. Um, dissolvable sutures bottom line um so in terms of scarring there's always a balance with getting the best scar versus leaving the stitches in till the wounds healed um so basically what you want is you want to take the stitches out or you want the stitches to come out as soon as the wounds healed you don't want the stitches in for longer than that you want it as soon as the wounds healed because if you have stitches, particularly if you have interrupted stitches, which go in and out, if you leave them in too long, you get dotted lines on either side. You get um, stitch marks. So um, oh, 
you get stitch marks. So you want to take the stitches out as quickly as possible. So if you have the stitches on your face, like you had on, you know, your face, you take them out at five to seven days because you because the the blood supply of the face is really good. The face heals really quickly, and you want to get those stitches out quickly. Now it's different on the scalp and the back. On the scalp and the back, particularly the scalp, the scalp. The scalp is actually quite tight. The skin is quite tight and the back, but the scalp is quite tight, the skin. And the stitch marks don't matter. It doesn't matter if you get stitch marks on either side. So, sorry. What you want is you, you're, you've got the balance between the wound healing and... That's annoying me. The balance wound healing and the good scar. So you your balance is more in terms of the wound healing than the scar on the scalp and the back. So you would leave the stitches in longer on the scalp um, because you want, you don't want, there's no point in taking, I wouldn't take the stitches out a week on the scalp because uh, I would worry the, the wound would open up because it's quite tight. So if I was taking stitches out on the scalp, I would probably take them out two weeks on the scalp. But in our socially distanced times, I can take, uh, you can use dissolvable, can use dissolvable sutures in the scalp. And I often do actually use dissolvable sutures in the scalp because particularly if you use a black suture, it's a bit of a nightmare finding the suture. Uh, and it's really hard to get it out. And it's a real palaver. And as I say, it doesn't matter if you get little dots on either side of the scar because you can't see the scar. So that's the scalp. And on the back, I would tend to probably, as long as it's big enough, um, if it, I, I try and use a subcuticular, which is a buried suture underneath the skin. Um, and again, try and not have a stitch that comes out. Because if you use a buried one, you don't get those stitch marks. You sort of put it underneath skin. But if it's a very, yeah, I think I should be able to get a buried one in there. Um, so, yes. So you probably actually, Mia, won't need to come back after a week. We could probably do it virtual. It would just be a dressing that you take off. Well, there'll be no dressing on your scalp. Waterproof dressing on your back. Um, and stitches just dissolve. I think I pulled it back. I don't think anyone noticed that uh, Facebook wasn't on for the first 20 minutes. Um, JJ, how noticeable are the scars after a reduction? So the um, scars are noticeable in, uh, sorry, out of a bra. So the whole point of the scarring is we try and put them from the nipple down. So the scarring for reduction goes, I'm assuming it's a breast reduction. It'd be awkward if it's a eyelid reduction but i'm assuming let's assume it's a breast reduction um so it goes around the nipple down to the chest wall and also in the fold so out of a bra there is a scar around the nipple and, and down you, you often can't see the one in the fold so they are quite noticeable out of a bra particularly early on they do take a few months for them to settle and to fade um and they are a bit obvious to start with um but in a bra they're not noticeable so they're not too bad but well you know what? I say they're not too bad. What you have to do is you have to see them, see the scars, see the and, and decide whether it's worth it. Because that's the, the, to be honest, that's the balance when you're having a breast reduction. Because clearly, a breast reduction delivers on a very functional way in terms of the fact that it makes it more comfortable and uh, takes the pain off your shoulders, etc. But it's also cosmetic. There's a cosmetic element to it because the breast reduction lifts the breast and makes the shape of the breast better. But in terms of the cosmetics. It's making it worse because it's scarring there. So you have to weigh up whether you want to have scarring on your breast. Well, I say want to. Whether you you feel it's worth the downside of the scarring uh, is the upsides enough. So that's only something you can decide. So it is important to be aware of the scarring associated with a breast reduction. Um, so, yeah. 
is it me or is this it's harder than you think honestly I'm a bit taken aback I faffed about on Facebook started late and then didn't press go live oh oh yo yo right I'm gonna bring it back now you're welcome you're very welcome JJJ um I'm gonna bring it back I'm bringing it back centered right collar in next question oh Mia's back thanks so much again for the help JJ the lesion on my scalp is a few centimeters away from where my head is shaved anyway as I have an undercut so that might make it easier as there's less hair around there I don't think it will Mia I don't think it will um but thanks anyway uh it's it's too far away I, even if it's a center even if it's a couple of centimeters off it's um that there'll be hair in that area but it's fine Mia don't worry about me I'll be fine I'll be fine but I won't shave your hair don't worry take your jacket off no I'm not going to ruin the look Olivia come on I'm not going to ruin the look right so I've got another question here, which I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back, back in the room. Polyurethane implants and the connection to cancer. It's odd that I had that because I've just had a conversation with someone today about this. And also someone said, what did they say? Anyway, something about breast cancer. This is really confusing, this cancer thing and, in, and breast implants, particularly polyurethane implants, but also texture silicone implants. But... Well, let's keep on topic, guys. Come on, keep on topic. Polyurethane implants, that's the question. Right, polyurethane implants. Polyurethane implants are silicone implants with a foam coating around the outside. The foam coating around the outside is like a, a three-dimensional structure that the scar tissue grows into so that when it contracts, it contracts in all different directions and it doesn't form a hard uh, capsular contracture. It doesn't harden around the implant. And so it's much less likely to go hard. So that's a good thing about polyurethane implants. So that's good. The bad thing about polyurethane implants is they have been implicated in cancer. Pretty, pretty big bad thing. So there's two implications in terms of the cancer that polyurethane implants have been have been linked to. The first one is a theoretical risk. It's not actually a thing that's happened in humans. I'm just going to let that go. I'm going to let that let that collar go. That's the last time I'm doing that. Um, so it, the, the first one was back in the 60s. They did an experiment where they took some stuff off the polyurethane foam. It's called 2,4-TDA. They injected into rats and the rats got cancer. So they said these implants cause cancer. They're terrible. We mustn't use them. We stopped using them for a long time. They continue to use them in other parts of the world. They've used them in hundreds of thousands of women. There's no evidence to say that anyone has got that cancer because of them. The cancer that the rats got was not breast. We're not talking about breast cancer. Let's be clear. We're not talking about breast cancer with any of these. Um, so they looked for this stuff, this 240DA, this stuff they injected into the rats. They looked for it in people who got their breast implants in. They looked for it in people who work in the factory that make the implants. And they found it in very low quantities. Nothing like the quantities they injected into the rats. This stuff, 240DA, is not known to cause cancer in humans. It's not a known carcinogen in humans, so it um, so it's a it's a it's a theoretical risk because it caused cancer in these rats. It's nothing nothing that's ever happened in a human, but people hear that and don't and don't like the sound of it, understandably. And if you don't like the sound of it, that is fine. 
you could always have not have polyurethane implants because there are silicone implants you can have instead, which is absolutely fine. So it's all about being aware of the risks. So that that that's a sort of theoretical risk. That's not actually a, a thing that's known to happen in humans, but it did happen in rats. And I tell everyone about this who's having polyurethane implants because I feel I have to tell, not I feel, I need to tell them this because I don't want you going away and then reading on the internet and saying, aren't those the ones cause cancer in rats? Because quite frankly, yes, they are, but it's very unlikely to cause cancer in humans. Um, so so that's the, that's the 2,4-TDA thing. But there's another cancer now, which is a real cancer. So there's another cancer that polyurethane implants have been associated with. That's more recently. That's just in the last five years or so. And that's ALCL, which is a type of cancer, again, associated with breast implants, not purely polyurethane, but also textured silicone implants. And it, it seems to be, it's, it's, and again, it's not breast cancer. We're not talking about breast cancer here. Breast cancer is a very bad thing. Well, all cancers are a bad thing. This isn't a good thing, but it's certainly a lot better than breast cancer. Uh, it's not breast cancer. It's a lymphoma. It's a cancer of the capsule, of the scar tissue. And it seems to be related to the roughness of the implant. So polyurethane implants are very rough. That's why they're good, because they break up the scar tissue. And it's a lot less likely in smooth implants. So uh, smooth implants are less likely to get this type of cancer, ALCL, compared to polyurethane. So you might say, well, then I want a smooth one. I'll say, fine, you can have a smooth one. But because it's smooth, that scar tissue forms around it and it's more likely to get capsular contracture. And then in between, you've got textured silicone implants, which are slightly rough, not quite as rough as polyurethane, but more rough than smooth ones. And you've got textured implants, which is somewhere in between. And then sometimes people are making ones which are actually in between smooth and textured. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's following this. I need a, I need a whiteboard. Which is which are called um, nano textured or micro textured, which are only a little bit rough, and then they're not quite as smooth as smooth, but they're not as rough as the textured ones, and they're supposed to be sort of somewhere in between. Um, and in terms of when they classify implants, those are often classified in terms of how deep the roughness is as smooth, but they're not. They're a bit more rough than smooth ones. <laughs> I think I'm on my own. Is anyone is anyone here? Is anyone left? I don't know. I think I'm on my own. It's okay. I'm on my own, so it's okay. Good God. Ye gods. I don't know how well I explained that. But um, anyway, that's the cancer thing. Carol, God bless. I'm glad you came now and you missed that travesty that was happening. Just, oh, Olivia's here. Oh, God. Um Douglas Black, oh God, you've seen me describe, right, that was a pretty good description, I'd say. Douglas, would you agree? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the connection. So the question was, polyurethane doesn't cause a connection to cancer. So years ago, there was a thing, theoretical one, which is theoretical. Recently, there's a real one, ALCL, it's a real cancer. Humans have got this cancer. Cancer of the capsule seems to be related to the roughness of the implants. Polyurethane are very rough. Therefore, they've got a high risk, but the roughness is good because of the capsule formation, but it's bad because of ALCL. So you have to weigh up the pros and the cons. If you want to not have the cancer, then have the smooth ones, but the smooth ones have got other risks associated with them in terms of the capsular uh, contracture and rippling and um, 
adherence within the shell, less likely to have um, teardrop implants because they don't adhere. They sort of wobble about all over the place. So um, there's good and bad about all of them. And so I would be wary about anyone who tries to tell you <laughs> who <laughs> that they've got the best implants, especially Douglas Black, because he's an implant guy. So all these people who try and tell you they've got the best implants, I would always be wary. And I'm just going to sort that out right now. You know, there is no best implant. If there was a best implant, we would all use it. But the fact of the matter is, some people use smooth, some people use textured, some people use micro, macro textured, some people use polyurethane. I use them, I use any, I'll use smooth, textured, macro, micro, polyurethane, whatever. I try and have a discussion with the patients. And uh, I need a collarbone, don't I? I, um, I try and have a discussion with the patients to work out what's right for them. Because at the end of the day, it's up to you. You. What's right for you? Because you've got a better way out the pros and cons and be realistic about the risks and just do what's right for you and, and, and you know. Oh, here we go. Anna's here. Look, someone's here. Olivia and Anna are here. Hi, and Anna understood. She understood. Thank you, Anna. Um, there'll be question. There'll be a questionnaire uh, at the end, and we'll be asking for your um, your feedback on smooth and textured implants and uh, polyurethane. I have got collarbones, Olivia, but I tend not to put them in because I forget about them and then they go in the wash and they get all manky. And so, yes, I don't, I haven't put them in. So I've been, this has been highlighted because I'm, I don't normally see myself on video. So I don't know that this shirt, the collar's flapping about because I don't normally see myself. It's normal. I, you know, it's not normal, this, Olivia, this, this, um, you know, this social media presence to, it's hard to get used to seeing yourself on screen. Um, I know what the TV celebrities must feel like now, because clearly I am one of them. So I'm when you say a collarbone. Oh, collarbones are things that go in here. They go in the, the little bits of metal that go in there. That's what collarbones are, not collarbones. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's move on. Let's just get through this and uh, get out. Um, shoulder pads. No, no, I don't mean collarbones. They go in. There's a slot in the shirt in the there, and it's a piece of metal that goes in there. And I don't know if it would help. It might not help, but it it just keeps the keeps that straight. But uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about. It. <laughs> stay on point. Stay on point. Right. Let's let's get through this, guys. Polyurethane implants. We can do this. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. Keloid implant, keloid implants, keloid scars. So yeah, I posted a thing on Facebook uh, slash Instagram with this. I show uh, uh, a keloid. And uh, the reason I did it is because I've had a couple of inquiries recently. And I had a patient who um, had one in her nose, a keloid in the nose. And in fact, I've had a few. I saw a patient last week, actually, with one on the lip, nose, ear. Without actually thinking about it been a busy keloid week thinking now I now I reflect now I've taken some time to reflect on my week the last seven days yeah it has been a busy keloid seven days isn't it so anyway that, that's uh, that's why I posted that picture because I was thinking about keloids um so the one that's brought to mind was a patient patient who emailed I asked her if I could show the photos but she hasn't got back to me so I better not but anyway it's an it's an ear pierce uh, sorry <laughs> nose that's a nose isn't it it's a nose piercing 
and it's gone keloid. So she's got a lump. So the classic is the ear. Uh, classically here, but also up here, often higher up. The patient I saw earlier had higher up. That's why I posted that picture because it was one there. Um, so basically, a keloid scar is a lumpy scar. And the main feature of a keloid scar as opposed to a hypertrophic scar is the scar is bigger than the original scar. So the keloid scar is bigger than the original insult. So you have a piercing, a little tiny hole can make a big lump. A hypertrophic scar is like when you have a scar, like a line scar, and it's red and lumpy. But the actual scarring is the same size as the scar, but it's just lumpy. If you had a line scar that went keloid, it would be massive, much bigger than the original line. Um, I hope I'm making sense tonight. I feel like you're hearing myself in the head that I'm not making sense, but it, I, I'm, I'm going to push through. So a keloid scar is bigger than the original scar. So for that reason, we are very worried about cutting them out. And I think sometimes, particularly if you don't haven't looked into it and things, if you get a piercing and you get a big lump on it, you might think, just cut it off. Just cut the lump off. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. I'm glad you asked me. The reason why not is because if you have a big lump on your ear caused by a tiny piercing and I then cut it off and give you a scar, albeit a smaller scar, if the tiny piercing has gone to this big lump, my scar like that is going to go to an even bigger lump. So you worry that if you cut a keloid scar out, the resulting scar that you leave will become keloid and get even bigger and you'll be in a worse situation. Because the problem is your body's healing. Your body is healing abnormally. Your body is has got an overactive scarring process. And so surgeons can cut and stitch and make a lovely scar you make a lovely looking scar but if your body is overreacting to the to the healing process then the worry is that you get another keloid scar uh, which is worse than the original scar so we try and avoid surgery at all costs so the person the lady i saw earlier with the the lip this person who's uh, got in touch with the nose i'm like you know what i don't think they're I don't I wouldn't do surgery. Um Olivia's got a friend with a keloid on the shoulder, Greeble. Yeah. I mean they're big. They can the shoulder classic, some classic areas, shoulder, sternum, chest. If you have a mole in your sternum and you're around your chest, I would not have it removed because it is a classic area for keloid. It's a risk shoulders are a classic area for keloid. If you have again, if you have a mole on your shoulder, obviously if you're worried about it, if you think it might be cancerous, then obviously then you might have to have it removed. But if it's just the look of it you don't like, I would be completely worried about giving you a keloid scar. It's the cape area, so-called, to the shoulders, ch chest, uh, earlobes, high risk of keloid scarring. Also, certain skin types, darker skin types, have a higher risk of keloid scarring. So that is the nubbins of the problem. The problem is your body's reaction to scarring. And so we avoid it uh, if we can. So we do things... What's the question? Treatment of keloid scar. So we do things to avoid surgery. So the things you do, first of all, initially, massage. And hypertrophic scar and keloid scar is a spectrum. So sometimes if you have a red um, uh, raised scar, it might be hypertrophic. Um, 
are not quite keloid yet. And the treatment is similar. So first of all, massage, bit of pressure, bit of massage. That's, you know, and you start off with the procedures that are going to give you the least complications, the least downside, potentially maybe the least upside, but also you, if it help, if it's enough, then it's enough. You don't want to do things that are going to cause problems. So you try and do things which cause the least potential problems. So probably massage is going to be your least potential problems. You're not going to cause much problems by giving massage. So massage, massage, moisturize, pressure, just, did, you know, just with your hand is the first step. Then moving on, you can do um, silicone. Silicone comes in sheets or it comes as in it, or, uh, sorry, or it comes as <laughs> gel. And it depends on the, what part of the body. So if you have it, for instance, on your breast, um, you can get sheets which will go and sort of sit inside your bra. And sometimes that's quite good because your bra, uh, your bra wire can give you a bit of pressure. So um, so if it's on your body, then maybe a silicone sheet would be good. If it's on your face, like earlobe, you're not going to get a silicone sheet on there. It's just going to fall off. So um, you're looking more like um, um, the gel for, 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 for face and areas where it's going to, so you can get silicone gel and actually plugs. We've got, we've got a gel really good. I, I'm sure you can probably get it elsewhere, but it's a silicone gel with little ball bearings. So you can give a bit, the applicator has got ball bearings. So you can give it a bit of pressure while you're applying it. It's really good. Sell it on the website, uh, standardplasticsurgery.co.uk forward slash scar management and skincare. I think it is, but anyway, it's in this anyway, so silicone's good. Pressure's good. Um, if it is an area where you can get pressure, uh, like an earlobe, pressure clips can sometimes work. But if they're very big, then you can't really get a pressure clip on it if it's a big, if you've got a big lump there. So sometimes if we're doing uh, something on a place where we can get pressure, what we'll do is we'll do surgical debulking. And I'll talk about that in a minute first and then get a pressure clip made. You have to get it custom made, the pressure clip. Um, and uh, because there's no point in getting pressure clip made when it's a big ball because it's not really going to do anything. So pressure is uh, is is the next step. Uh, um, and then Jackie's asked, can it occur anywhere on the body? Uh, yes, I'll ask that question. So I'm on pressure, right? Memo to self, talk about steroids. <laughs> yes, Jackie, it can occur anywhere in the body. Um, slight distinction between keloid and hypertrophic scarring. Uh, hypertrophic scarring often occurs after delayed wound healing. So if you have a, if your wound takes a long time to heal, if it takes three weeks or more to heal, you can have more risk of getting a hypertrophic scarring, which is that red raised scar. So actually, we'd be more likely to surgically revise a scar, which had a reason to be hypertrophic. So if you said, look, I had a terrible wound infection and my wound took ages to heal and I've got this ugly red raised lumpy scar, I'd be more likely to revise that surgically because I'm thinking if I can get that to heal without a wound infection, now if I can get that healed more quickly, I'm less likely to get a hypertrophic scar than if you said to me, the wound healed fine, but it just seems to have gone lumpy and horrible. Then I'm thinking, hold on a minute, that's your body causing that. There's not a re there's not an underlying reason for it. It's not the infection. And so I'd be, I'd be thinking, I don't want to revise it because if mine heals fine, it could go lumpy again. So so anywhere on the body. So if you get a delayed healing or infection, then it can happen, happen anywhere on the body. As I say, it's more common in certain areas. So it's common on the shoulders, sternum, ear, uh, earlobes. It's more common in dark skin types. So Afro-Caribbean uh, skin types is more common and that then it can occur anywhere. Um, 
So yeah, so pressure is good. So for plays like the ear, sometimes if you have burns, particularly if a burn takes a long time to heal, as I said, if it's going to take a long time to heal, you can get hypertrophic scarring. So if you have it, sometimes you see people on the face and you can get these masks. Have you seen these clear masks that you can get, which are, which are give pressure to the area? Um, or garments, if you have it on your arm and things, you can have these custom-made garments to put pressure on the scars. So pressure is good. And then st uh, silicone sheets or gel, and then steroid, steroid injection. So you can inject steroid into the, the, the um, I don't know why I'm doing that, into the, the scar, direct uh, directly into the scar. So that's the next step. So these people who've inquired, um, or at least this lady with the nose, I've suggested maybe... Um, I can't remember what I suggested. Did I suggest steroid? I might have suggested steroid injection because that's the next step. Now, there are bad things that can happen when you do steroid injection. You So you're moving up the levels now. You know, massage and silicone, there's not much bad things that can happen. You know, it may not make it better, but it probably is not going to make it significantly worse. And the bad things that can happen, they're not that bad. But if you inject it too superficial, you can kill the skin and cause a little bit of ulceration, which is a bit of a nuisance. And if you inject it too deep, then you can kill the fat and the skin the keloid scar can sit in a bit of a dent. So you've got to be careful. You don't want to inject it too superficial or too deep. You have to inject it directly into the scar and it can be a bit painful. I normally do two or three injections about six weeks apart and then leave it for a few months to give it time to rest. Because if you do too many steroid injections, the skin can become very thin and you can get telangiectasia, little blood vessels forming, uh, and that's not good. So, um, so the steroid often has to be repeated but that's probably the next step. And then if it's really big and it's really bulky and you think, God, there's no point in doing steroid because this isn't going to go on its own, you can consider surgery. Now, right at the beginning, I said, look, for goodness sake, don't do surgery because it's going to come back worse. You can consider surgery for a keloid scar. But what we do is we try and just take, we debulk it. So we take the majority of the scar out but we leave a little rim of scar so when you're stitching and when you're closing it you're closing scar so you're leaving a little rim of scar and i don't know if you saw that photo i put on instagram um when when i've stitched it when the stitches are in there's still a bump there you leave a bump so you're putting your stitches in keloid so you're not putting the stitches in fresh tissue so you're not cutting fresh tissue so hopefully you're not going to get another keloid. Now, if you do this surgery, you've got to warn people it could come back worse. So that's why you really want to do it as a last ditch um, effort. But by doing what's called an intralesional excision, it's known as an intralesional excision of the keloid. So you do it within the lesion. You don't go outside the lesion. You do it within the lesion, leave a rim, and then you do steroid injections, plus or minus pressure clips, uh, if it's an area where you can get pressure on it, um, to just get rid of that last bit. Uh, but that's a last ditch attempt. So the 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 lady with the nose, I would uh, and and the, the one on the, the cheek that I saw earlier, I would not advise. Um, you know, I'd advise the least possible. So I'd start with silicone. Really, start with massage silicone, and also it sounds awful. See how you go, and if you can cope with it. Because if you can cope with it, then don't do anything more. It's like anything. Don't have surgery if you. If it's not that bad, only consider surgery if you're willing to weigh up the risks and say that the pros are outweighing the cons. So that's keloid scar from a piercing in a nutshell. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, it is Tuesday night. I've got the right night, haven't I? It's Tuesday night. I don't know, because I normally do an operating list on Tuesday, but of course with all this... Right.
That's it. I am out of questions. Um, I am so sorry. I can only apologize to my Facebook fans, uh, to my community. So I want to make this public apology to my, my Facebook community that A, I was late because I was looking at the family fortunes, dumbest answers, the American one. That guy, I like that. He's really funny, that guy. Um, so I'm sorry about that. I just, I couldn't believe it when I looked at my watch. And B, I didn't press go live for 20 minutes. So I'm sorry about that. So um, you be the judge. I don't know what I'm going to do. I do a po I put this on my podcast every week. What am I going to do this week? Am I going to put it on the podcast half, half, I don't know how I started it. I started it with me mid-sentence. I can't, I can't, I don't, I can't get an audio or can I, can I get audio from, um, apology accepted. I care. Can I get, yeah. Thanks Jackie. You're off now. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I've got to go as well. I'm leaving it. So, um, yes. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about the podcast. I'll sort it out. I will be back seven o'clock, right? Seven o'clock. I'm press the go live button on Facebook and on Instagram next Tuesday. If you've got any questions, ask away, email me, message me on the, these platforms. Augusta, if you're still there, get in touch. We'll, we'll, um, we'll hook up and we'll be good to see you to see how you are getting on. And I will go and have a cold shower. So take it easy. I'm ending the stream and peace and prosperity to you all. Good night. Fam Forts is unmiss. Yes, it is. It is. I, I just watched it on the face. I don't watch it normally. I just watched it on the Facebook, the, the American one. Right. I've got to go. And I'm sorry, Facebook people, that I was, that I messed up the button pressing. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.